So how have you been, and uh, how's the uh, the pandemic been been treating you? Yeah, horribly. Uh, we've only just reopened the gym last week. For a couple of weeks before that, our um our, our high level pro guys were allowed to train, and also we had our uh, like our elite judo program start back. But the general public haven't been in the gym for part of me over three months. Have you been doing online coaching or anything like that throughout the entire time? And, and, and yeah. how's that like? Horrible. <laughs> Horrible. I hate, I hate Zoom. I hate Zoom now. But, uh, I mean, we had to try and deliver something to the, uh, to the members. And, and we've been lucky. We've got some really loyal members that have uh, stayed on board. But, yeah, it's been a really hard time. When people think of Australian MMA gen, city kickboxing is usually the one that comes to mind. You got guys like Dan Hooker um, and Israel Adesanya, but resilience has had a lot of high-level UFC fighters in its own right. Um, so talk a little bit about uh, we'll talk a little bit about those guys. But uh, Jake Matthews, for one, I've been a fan of Jake Matthews for such a long time, um, and he's probably one of the brightest up-and-comer fighters uh, out of Australia. He looked really, really impressive in his last time out against Emil Meek. Uh, what's next for him, and what's your overall assessment of, of Jake? Uh, Jake's awesome. Jake and I have been friends a long time. I'm good friends with his dad. Uh, he's, uh, he's just gone in to do some uh, basic army training. He's uh, to become an army reserve. And when he gets back, we're hoping second half, second, sorry, end, end of the year, he'll, he'll have another fight. Um, yeah, he's a, he's a great talent. Great talent. Uh, there's obviously some things to work on, um, but great talent. Man, him and uh, and Jimmy Crute, who also trains with us as well, uh, they're both really, really uh, big prospects. And Jake's so experienced, considering he's still so young. Yeah, he's fought, I don't know how many times already in the UFC. It feels like he's been forever. And that switch from lightweight to welterweight has really, really done so many good things for him. Doesn't even look like the same guy. Like you, you look back at those. He's like half his half the size. So he's really developed into quite the welterweight. Yeah, absolutely. He was a it was a big, big weight cut. So it was a good time. Makes him more durable for training as well. Um, when you're making big weight cuts all the time, it's hard to train properly because uh, you're always like in a calorie deficit. So yeah, he's uh, he's big and strong. And yeah, we'll see what happens after he does his five weeks basic training. So you mentioned Jimmy Crute, another up-and-coming prospect. I think he's actually younger than than Jake Matthews, if I'm not mistaken. But he's in a he's in a completely different division where you're only got killers there in light at light heavyweight. What's next for him? He he looked really really impressive in his last last fight. And how far away do you think he is from top fifteen? I hope he has one more fight against an unranked guy before he steps back up again. There's no rush for Jimmy. He's still yeah. he's only about I think he's only a year a year younger than Jake or two years younger than Jake, but um, he's younger in his career than Jake is. So, uh, see, I'm hoping, hoping for him to have another fight against an unranked guy and then, uh, and then fight someone uh, in the top 15 from 10 to 15. And then, yeah, there's no, there's no rush for him in my opinion. You see a lot of these guys come in, um, guys like Sean O'Malley coming in and they, they almost rush them. You know, they have these high level prospects. Daryl, Darren Till is another great example um, and what's the message, I guess, as a coach and as a friend and as a mentor to these young guys who are trying to make a name for themselves and jump right there and fighting the fighting world beaters? Do you? Th- what's the message and how do you keep them kind of like slow it down, take your time? There's no rush to get there. Uh, it's a marathon, not a sprint. That's what I say a lot. And 
and it's about uh, making sure at each step along the way that uh, that they've got everything locked in, the, the, the structure's good before they move on to the next challenge. Um, and yeah, there's no need there's no need for those guys to rush at all. And they um, they seem to listen, seem to listen. But you know how young fighters are; they they want to take on the world straight away, and they need to make a career out of this. So yeah, we're always saying, take your time, take your time. So I'll mention a couple other fighters, and then we'll get jump into your career a little bit. Um, so Callan, Callan Potter, uh, another good friend of yours, he's probably nearing the end of his career. His his last fight didn't go um, the, the way I'm sure he would have or you would have. Uh, what's the message, I guess, to, to him to kind of be like, look, you know, you're you're 35. Uh, I think he's 35. Uh, nearing the end of your career, do you want to see him back in there, or, or are you more on the edge of look, times, you know? Time's running out here. What's your message to, to him, I guess? No, I want him to fight again. Um, Cal's been a training partner of mine since I started. And I'm not that sympathetic with age, considering I pretty much started MMA at about 35. So I'm like, you're still a young guy as far as I'm concerned. Um, I definitely want to see him fight again. But I, I want to see him fight in front of a crowd. I don't, I don't want him to rush to to do one of these Fight Island or anything like that. When, when we open up crowds again, in Australia, I want him to fight fight again in Australia, and then then he can make a decision. Then it's a, it's a good opportunity for him to. It's harder with older athletes to change habits than it is with the younger ones. Yeah. So it's good. It's a good opportunity to change some uh, habits, and um, and for him to be able to move forward. I mean, Cal's an awesome athlete. He's he's fought on the regional scene, everyone and anyone at lightweight and at welterweight, and. He's one of the most deserving guys to get a shot and um, and fight in the UFC, and definitely wanting to go out on a uh, on a high note. So you mentioned Fight Island and, and the the empty arenas. As a coach and as a former fighter, what's your thought on the UFC rushing things and being like, you know what, we don't care if there's a crowd, we're just going to put these events on. And what's your message to the fighters, being like, look, let's rush in there, let's get a fight, or is it more? I know with Cal, you said you'd rather him wait, but. For all your other fighters, is it more let's be conservative or is it let's just go out there and get some fights? Uh, it's more well, for for Jimmy and Jake. It's more picking the right fight. I mean, it's not it's not about the timing or anything like that. There is considerations to take because we go. All the coaches have got lives at home. If we have to go away, it's eight or nine days in event in in a in a place. Then we come back, and then we have to. If we have to do two weeks of uh, quarantine after, that becomes a three, four week turnaround. And you're like, that's a big time commitment. Do we want to do that? Do we want to, or do we want to just, if the right matchup comes, we, we take the right matchup regardless of what's going on. So it's not so much a, a rushing or anything like that. It's picking the right match at the right time for, for those guys for their development. So when you think of MMA pioneers from Australia, you and Mark Hunt are two of the biggest names that come to mind. How does it feel to be mentioned, I guess, from all these other MMA fighters uh, coming up right now as, as a true uh, pioneer of Australian MMA? <laughs> I, I look back even further. There's like uh, George Sotteropoulos, yeah. Kyle Noak, Anthony Parash. So I don't actually think that I am one of the, one of the pioneers. I just think when it became very, uh, you know, very, very popular that um, – that I've uh, had some had some okay fights. I mean, I was only in the UFC for what four years or something like that. It's uh, maybe five. I'm not sure, but, uh, but yeah, no, it's it's good, especially because 
I started the sport so late after after my judo career. It's uh, yeah, it's nice. It's nice. And Mark's Mark's a legend, a legend of the sport. So so it's nice to be uh, nice to be mentioned in the same kind of breath as those guys. Yeah. Uh, so you talked a little bit about your judo career. A lot of people don't know this, but you're a four-time Olympian. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Four-time Olympian, nine-time Australian judo champion, and UFC fighter. Like those three things, like it just makes no sense. It's mind-boggling that you were able to do all those three things. Which of those is your proudest title? Nine-time Australian champion, four-time Olympic uh, representative of Australia, or UFC fighter? Uh, the four. The four Olympics. I mean, I've been. Uh... It was my dream from when I was about ten years old to go to the Olympics, and uh, I didn't actually end up end up fight, end up winning a medal or anything like that. But uh, but yeah, it was uh, that was always my goal and aim. And obviously, the opportunity to fight in the UFC was was just another chance to test myself. But that kind of came later, and um, it's kind of hopefully built up the uh, the profile of judo in Australia as well because of uh, because of that. So. But yeah, the Olympics is still still a pinnacle for me, for sure. When you think of judo athletes that transition to UFC, there's only a handful, and only two that I can think of right now. You, Ronda Rousey, and uh, Abdul Razak Al-Hassan. Those are the only three I can think of. What do you think it'll take before judo athletes start moving into uh, MMA? You're seeing it a lot with wrestlers, but not so much with judo athletes. It's becoming harder now because of how the um, the judo competition rule set is i mean there's no leg grabs or anything like that in judo anymore so it becomes a little bit more difficult for the high level judo guys to cross over to uh to deal with the sprawl and and deal with basic wrestling stuff because they don't encounter it the whole of their careers added to which most judo guys who come across are old like i was so they've pushed and gone to olympics and whatever and then gone to um gone to the UFC late whereas a lot of the wrestlers come out of college they go okay I can either go towards an Olympic kind of uh, goal or I can move into MMA so I think they go into uh, into MMA a little bit earlier with a, a little bit more um, you know, fuel left in the tank and, and not so many miles on the body you, Australian MMA is really really the past flourished with guys like Robert Whitaker. And I know Israel Adesanya, Dan Hooker, all these guys really putting, I guess, Oceania as a whole on the map. Um, what do you think it'll take before you see a roster full of guys from Australia, like you see from Brazil, the United States, and Canada? Uh, we're, we're getting there. We're getting there. Look, it's still not huge in Australia. I mean, we've got four guys. You forgot to mention Ben Sassoli as well, who's, uh, who's contracted to the UFC as well. Um, we've got four guys, but... I mean, everything's on hold at the moment. Obviously, we've got we've got a really good group of guys, but it's about it's probably about getting the um, getting the local scene a little bit more uh, structured and better to to highlight what these guys can do on their pathways into moving into the higher level. I mean, it's still a little bit uh, of the wild west down here in terms of promotions and things like that. Do you think maybe having like a the ultimate fighter type thing like they did a while ago where they had, I think it was Australia versus United Kingdom, do you think something like that would really help um, get these guys a shot in there or even have a, an Australia contender series type thing? Absolutely, absolutely. It would help 
having the ultimate fighter is great. The only the only problem with the ultimate fighter is not that not all the best fighters necessarily get in because the producers come in and uh, and say, well, this guy is going to be too boring to be on the show. That's why I was surprised I actually got onto the ultimate fighter. But um, I think they saw an old grumpy guy and went, yeah, yeah, we'll throw him in there. Um, but there were some other guys around who I thought were higher, higher level than, than some of the other guys perhaps in the show but never got in because of uh, visa issues or they weren't probably uh, – bubbly enough in their interview so a contender style pardon me a contender style series or another ultimate fighter would help a lot so your career i was in the ufc was really really impressive you have an incredible win over rashad evans former light heavyweight champion uh does that mean a lot to you just being like i beat a former champion yeah absolutely i mean the fact the fact when i when i got into um it's funny when I when I was pushing to get into the UFC, I spoke to uh to Jake Matthews' dad, who I'm I'm good mates with, Mick, and he's like, "Oh, what what do you want to do?" And I said, "Oh, I want to have ten fights in the UFC." And I'm you remember I'm 35, nearly 36 when I'm saying this, and he was he's he like laughed, and I said, well, "What are you laughing at? That's the aim." So I I got to that, um, but yeah, the, some big wins. That one, the win against uh, Shoeface was a very good one too against. Chris Camozzi, who was really, really experienced. So, so I had some, uh, I had some good wins there. And it's just <laughs> now that I coach, um, it, it gives a lot of, uh, a lot of backing to what I want to do and what I say because I've, I've been in there and 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 done it with a lot of the, the higher level guys, even the guys like Jake, who's now had more fights than I had in the UFC. But he's like, well, yeah, you actually went in there and did it. So, so you have to listen a little bit more. Is there still an itch? I think you, you haven't fought in three years now. I think it was the retirement. Is there still an itch to be like, I want to just skip one more fight, one more fight? Of course. There's always, there's always an itch. But I'm, I'm 43 this year, and I'm hoping the itch goes away. I've whacked on a bit of weight in ISO. But it's, it's really difficult to find time to train myself when I'm obligated and, and want to coach. You know, I'm, I'm also the national judo coach. Yeah. Uh, uh, all these guys who are who have got a good team now pushing forward in the um, in the MMA, plus running my own business, plus a family. So uh, I'm a little bit time poor now, but yeah, that, the itch never goes away, never goes away until you've done a couple of hard training sessions and you can barely move out of bed. That's that's when it kind of starts easing up a little bit. <laughs> so so one of the messages you said that you had for Callum Potter was go out on a high note. Is that something you wish you were able to do was end your career with a win, maybe in front of uh, a sold-out arena in Melbourne or Sydney or anything like that? Is that, is that something you regret not being able to accomplish? I, I, I would like that. I don't, I don't think – I don't regret really anything I did in my career. And it would have been nice, but yeah. it didn't end up that way. This is a business. You have to, uh, you have to accept that's the way it is. And, uh, yeah, it would have been awesome to have one more fight in Melbourne, but – it didn't happen that way. I, I've got to coach guys to wins in Melbourne now as well. And, yeah, so it's just ever-evolving. But, of course, you always, you always think you've got one more good fight left in you. That's, <laughs> I think that's the nature of being a competitor. There was a very controversial moment last weekend where Max Roshkopf, I'm not sure if you, you caught that fight or if you watched it, yeah. a lot of backlash to Robert Drysdale, who's very, very respected in the MMA and jiu-jitsu community. 
uh, where he didn't stop the fight. Or I mean, the fight was stopped, but it wasn't by him, even though Rochkop begged him to stop it, essentially. As a coach and as a mentor and as someone who's been in there, what's your take on the whole thing? I think, uh, I think Drysdale did the right thing. I mean, he, the guy wasn't that badly damaged. Like, it wasn't one of those ones where you're going, oh, the referee should stop that. Um, yeah, he lost that. The first round was very competitive. The second round, he gassed a bit. But, but it's, it's the call of the fighter to quit on the stool. And, and, and Drysdale did the whole right things completely. Yeah, I, I have no issue with any of that. And, uh, I mean, gee, it's, it's a bit harsh for all the backlash. It, it was a fighter's call. He called it at the end of the day. He was clearly, uh, he was clearly had the, the the mindset to want to quit, and he also had the clarity to understand what was going on too. It wasn't like he had to drag back to his stool kind of thing. He had the clarity to go, oh, I don't want to do this anymore, and he made the call, and that's that's fine. All right, I'll ask you, uh, I'll ask you one more question, and then I'll and then I'll let you go. Um, obviously, a lot of time to spend with your family uh, throughout the pandemic and quarantine and being locked up in the house. Is there anything you've been doing, such as, like, is there any TV shows you've been watching, anything you've been doing to occupy your mind with your family uh, throughout the entire thing? Uh, one thing I did watch is The um, is the Last Dance, the Jordan uh, Netflix yeah. thing. I, I grew up uh, when Jordan was at his peak and everyone wanted to be be like Mike kind of thing. Watch that. Pup, no, it's been really good. Our, our start of our year from a personal perspective was hard. Uh, my eldest son had a kidney transplant. I had four trips overseas by march as well so we were flat out and so it's been a good good time to spend with the family and and not even reconnect but just get into a, a little bit more of a normal structure and now obviously the gym opening this week we're back to uh back to the chaos life again i'm gonna throw one more in there since we mentioned kids do you have a uh, would you like your kids to potentially be fighters or is that your thing you don't want to see your kids do it <laughs> I, I don't um, – I, I was against my kids watching me fight. Um, and they're a little bit older now. I would have loved to have been able to make a walk with uh, with one or both of them uh, just to the cage now that they're a little bit older. But it's completely up to them what they do. I'll support them in whatever they want to do. Obviously, there's some non-negotiables like uh, getting a tertiary education and things like that. But <clears throat> in terms of sporting pursuits, uh, I, I will support them in whatever they want to do. All right, awesome. Thank you so much for the time, man, and thank you for, for rearranging it, even though the time change kind of screwed <laughs> me over. Completely different days, but uh, I appreciate it, man. I appreciate you taking the time and been a huge fan for a long time. So thank you, and best of luck with the gym. Best of luck with, uh, with all those fighters coming out of there. No worries. No thank worries. you very much. Uh, great chatting to you. All right, man, all the best. Yeah, thanks. See ya. Bye.